Chapter 1 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Brenica, World Audiobooks Podcast. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Chapter 1 Honor Bright President. When Honor Bright went to live in the country, the very first thing he asked for was some real live cheese to join the chickens and the pussy and the rabbits already on the farm. Will you remember to feed them every day, son, if I get you a pair? asked his father. Yes, Papa, said the little boy, Honor Bright. When he promised, Honor Bright, he always kept his word, and he said Honor Bright so many times a day that finally Honor Bright became his name. Quack, quack, cried Mr. and Mrs. Goose the day Honor Bright's father brought them home. What a fine place, isn't it? said Mother Hen. And just wait till you know Honor Bright. Just wait, echoed the Rabbit Gray family and Mr. T. Cat. Honor Bright was as good as his word, and the G's grew fatter and fatter and fatter. Good morning, Mr. Teacat, cried Mr. and Mrs. Goose early one morning. Had your breakfast? Of course, answered Mr. Teacat. Honor Bright always feeds me the very first thing. You must be mistaken, cried Mr. and Mrs. Goose. Honor Bright always feeds us first. But Honor Bright gives my children their breakfast very early, cuckled Mother Hen. Well, squeaked Father Rabbit Gray. We've all had breakfast, and that's the main thing. Now, let's make Honor Bright president, because he's so good. That's the way people do, you know. Just then, Honor Bright came out. Hail, President Honor Bright, they all cried. Honor Bright thought they said, I love you, and really, it meant the same thing. End of chapter 1 Recording by Maria Brenica, World Audiobooks Podcast Chapter 2 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Brenica, World Audiobooks Podcast. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Ripley. Chapter 2 Rose Red and Ruthie. It was Rosemary's mother who named her Rose Red. Rose ready. It was at first because Rosemary was always ready to help. Then it became just Rose Red for short. Rose Red had much of the sweetness of her name flower and few of the thorns. That is why when Ruthie slapped her, Rose Red didn't slap back. But she came home crying. Rose Red's mamas gathered her up in her arms and comforted her. Ruth is probably sorry now. Dear, she said, perhaps she will tell you so by and by. Will my little girl be rose ready? If she does, rose ready for what, mamma? Rose red sat up and dried her eyes. Rose ready to forgive. Rose red nodded. I think I'll gather the posses now, was all she said. Every day, rose red cut fresh flowers in the garden and arranged them for the house. 
It was the one thing in all the world she liked best to do. The roses she always left till the last for dessert, she explained. Roses, dear, she said, as she tucked them one by one into their special bowl. What would you do if your best friend slapped you? Just then, a thorn pricked Rose Red's finger. You'd prick her? Would you? Rose Red laughed. That's because you are only a rose and don't know any better. It wouldn't be nice for a little girl to prick. I do know something better. Rose Red chose six of the finest roses and carefully clipped off all their thorns. Then she ran to the gate between her yard and Ruthie's and slipped them into a covered box beside it. This box was Rose Red's and Ruthie's post office. Nearly every day, something went into it, from one little girl to the other. Four o'clock was a mail time. Postman Rose Red hid behind a bush and watched. Recently, Postman Ruthie came down the path. She opened the box and took out the fragrant letter. Then she laid something inside, drew down the cover, and ran back. It was Postman Rose Red's turn now to open the box. Her letter was a real one. It said, I'm sorry. Rose ready to forgive flew through the gate. Ruthie, Ruthie, she called. And then Rose Red kissed Ruthie. And Ruthie kissed Rose Red. And that was the last of Ruthie ready to slop. End of chapter 2. Recording by Maria Bernica. World Audiobooks Podcast. Chapter 3 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Brenica, World Audiobooks Podcast. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey, Chapter 3. The Tree Game When Margaret and Benji were getting over the missiles, their mama invented a new game to amuse them. You might play you are trees, she suggested. I'm a pine tree, cried Margaret. So am I, agreed Benji. Pine trees sing. You know, Benji, Margaret went on. So we must sing too. And the two struck up a lively tune. Toodle-dee, toodle-dee-doo. It was not the pine trees, however, that sang it. Oh, an organ man? Oh, a monkey! And both little pine trees raced to the window. The organ man smiled, danced. Tessa danced, he cried to his little girl, grinding away with all his might. And then how Tessa's little brown legs did flash back and forth, and in and out. And what funny tricks the wee monkey did. When the music stopped, Joko scrambled up to the window and politely presented a cup to the trees. Penny's please, the funny wizened little face seemed to beg. The pine trees brought their banks and shook the pennies out one by one into the cup. The biggest pine tree thought of something. Wait a minute, she cried and disappeared. When she came back, she carried two plump bananas. Here, she said, handing them out through the window. Tessa smiled her thanks politely. But Joko just fell to munching greedily. The pine trees hang out of the window and watched Tessa and her father and Joko as they went off the street. Finally, the biggest pine tree turned to the littlest pine tree. 
I'm not a pine tree any longer, Benji, she announced. I'd rather to be kind that gives something. I'm a banana tree now. So am I echoed Benji. End of chapter 3. Recording by Maria Brenica, World Audiobooks Podcast. Chapter 4 of the Goody Note Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Brenica, World Audiobooks Podcast. The Goody Note Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Chapter 4 Billy Boy's Magic Key. Billy Boy had a magic key. He carried it in his face. There was a secret about this key. It always opened doors into pleasant things. His mama had taught him that. Billy Boy was playing in the yard one day when his mama came to the door. Billy Boy, Billy Boy, she called. I want you to do some errands for me. When Billy Boy hurried up to the steps, his mama handed him two baskets. One is to carry the groceries I've ordered, Billy Boy, she said and there's a cake for Mrs. Thomas in the other. You can leave it on the way to the store. Billy Boy's face clouded. I'd rather not to go there, Mama, he said. Mrs. Thomas is so cross. That's what the boys say. That's because they tease their cat, Billy Boy. Remember about the key, and you'll be all right. Billy Boy picked up his baskets and marched off. Pretty soon, thumb, 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 when Mrs. Thomas brushed knocker. The door flew open. No, said Mrs. Thomas' loud voice. I don't want. Then she stopped Billy Boy who was using his magic key. I'm Mrs. Sheldon's little boy, explained Billy Boy, pulling off his cup. Mama sent you a cake. Mrs. Thomas just could not resist that key. Thank you, child, she said, smiling and lifting out the cake. Wait a minute as Billy started down the steps. She flung her hand deep down in her pocket and drew out a bright new nickel. Here, she said, buy some candy. The nickel was clutched tightly in Billy Boy's hand when he reached home. Look what she gave me, he cried, and she wasn't a bit cross. It must have been count of the key. And the magic key? Why? It was Billy Boy's own sunny smile to be sure. End of chapter 4. Recording by Maria Brenica, World Audiobooks Podcast. Section 5 of The Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090. The Goody Naughty Book. By Sarah Corey Rippey. Section 5 Polly's New April Fool. You're losing your hair ribbon, Polly, remarked the twins as their sister sat down to breakfast one first of April morning. Polly hastily felt of her head. April Fool, April Fool, April Fool, shrieked the twins joyously, pounding on the table. Polly glared at them. It was raining, and Polly, who hated rain, never could take a joke on a rainy day. You're a pair of very rude boys, she said. Nobody but horrid, rough boys like you would ever think April Fool's any fun. 
and she sulked through her breakfast without another word but helen was different helen liked rain moreover she didn't in the least mind being fooled and she laughed just as hard as anybody when she put salt on her mush instead of sugar when she went upstairs to put their room in order however the room she and polly shared the steady drip 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 of the rain made her remember polly's unhappiness and it troubled her a robin singing his rain song in the tree outside cocked his head saucily as helen went to the window help her cheer her help her cheer her sang mr redbreast over and over again as he swung on the dripping branches that's a good idea mr redbreast helen answered i'm sure she needs it but how shall i do it mr redbreast winked wisely you'll find a way a way a way he trilled helen spanked a pillow and stood it in its place on the bed thank you mr redbreast she answered politely i'll try mr redbreast gave his tail a pleased little shake and flew away leaving helen to spank the other pillow and to wonder what she could do to help her cheer her a blue ribbon was hanging out of the top bureau drawer the very thing cried helen i'll straighten out her drawer it's always in a muss and she fell to work with a will rolling and folding and arranging things in neat little piles the baby stood watching her there what do you suppose she'll think of that buddy she asked as she gave the last pile a happy pat then a new idea popped into her head she flew downstairs took a sheet of writing paper out of the desk and printed something on it in big black letters then running back to her room she laid the paper on the rows of nice neat piles and carefully closed the drawer i hope she won't mind she said with a twinkling little smile as she pulled buddy up on her lap for a story the story was only half finished when polly burst in what do you think helen she cried tossing her hat and coat in an untidy heap on the bed i'm invited to a party what shall i wear she ran to the bureau and pulled open the top drawer with a jerk within lay helen's paper polly picked it up april fool she read aloud she looked into the drawer then at helen her face brightening into a sudden smile with her surprise helen you're a dear she cried and i'm just a little silly cross old bear this is just the loveliest april fool that ever was i didn't suppose folks could play nice april fool jokes just then the sun came out from behind a cloud and peeped through the window helen pointed to it another nice april fool for you polly but polly wasn't listening she stood quietly thinking for a moment then she picked up her hat shook out her coat and started toward the closet april fool she said with a laugh as she hung them inside that's another joke on you miss polly untidy crosspatch a few more april fools might turn you into neat miss polly polite it's about time you turned over a new leaf i think i hear it rustling said helen listening here 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 chirped mr redbreast joyously from the tree end of section five section six of the goody naughty book this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. 
Section six, the three B's. The three B's club had only one rule. Each member was to try every day to be all three of the B's. Usually it was quite easy to be one B. Often it was not so very difficult to be two B's, but to be three B's was many times very, very hard indeed. The Saturday Ned Brown's father gave him the new catching glove was one of those times. Ned wanted to go out and try the glove. Just as he was starting, however, Mrs. Brown called him. Ned, she said, the wood box is empty. Ned knew what that meant, but he remembered the 3B number 2 in time to keep from frowning. All right, he called back cheerily and went out whistling to the barn. Thwack with the axe into the wood. Ned was strong, and every blow told. His mother, hearing the chopping, smiled to herself. She knew about the bees. Whew, said Ned presently, stopping for breath. This is being bee number one, all right. Two bees in one morning aren't so bad. Hi, Ned, came over the fence as he started for the house with an armful of wood. Why don't you come over? You said you had a new glove. Have, answered Ned, as the two other members of the three bees climbed into sight. Wait a minute. He dumped his wood into the box in the kitchen and then ran proudly back with a precious glove. Here it is. The boys felt of it, pinched it, and tried it on. It's a dandy. Come on and catch, they urged. Can't just yet. You can use it till I come. And Ned returned to his work while the boys ran off with the glove. The three bees met at Ned's house that afternoon. The club always reported once a week on their success as bees. I don't have any chance to be bee number three, complained Ned when his turn came to talk. Mrs. Brown was just coming in with a pitcher of lemonade. I know better, Ned, she said. How about chopping wood when you wanted to play ball? That made all three bees this morning. Busy, bright, and brave. And I know another bee, number three, too, called Ned Baker. How about loaning us your catching glove when you hadn't used it yourself? Ned smiled shyly, and bee number two was written all over his face as he slowly sipped his lemonade. End of section six. Recording by Ellen Adams. Section 7 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leo Fialio, Los Angeles, California. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Section 7 Teddy's Helpers. Christmas was near, and there were only a few pennies in Teddy's apple bank. I'm afraid I won't have money enough to buy them, Mummy, said Teddy wistfully. Won't you? His eyes looked the question his lips wanted to ask. No, Teddy, said his mother, for then it would be my present instead of yours. But Arthur's hands get so cold carrying the clothes. Teddy's eyes fell to his own hands, which were always snug and warm in their red mittens. 
the washerwoman's little boy had no mittens. Earn some money, Teddy, suggested his mother. Teddy's face fell. How can I? he said. Keep your eyes open and do the thing they tell you to do. All right, answered Teddy. I'll try. At that moment, father's son, who had been peeping through the window, slipped behind a cloud. Children, he said to the little clouds, there's a boy down below who wants to earn money to buy mittens for a boy who hasn't any. I want you to help him. We will, father's son, cried the little clouds. Then the sky began to grow so dark that the earth people looked up and said, I do believe it's going to snow. And it did. Soon the air was filled with great fluffy whirling flakes, tumbling eagerly down to help Teddy. Not so close, cried the first flake as the others came down on top of him. We'll make it too hard for Teddy if we pack tight together. That's so, cried the others. And so they settled very very gently. All night the snowflakes fell. In the morning father's son poked his head out from behind a cloud. My, my, how fine the earth looks, he exclaimed. I think that's about enough, children. And father's son smiled so broadly that the earth people said, How dazzling the sun is! and squinted and rubbed their eyes. When the last flake had settled in its place, Teddy buttoned on his leggings to go out. Are you keeping your eyes open this morning, Teddy? asked his mother. Teddy laughed. Of course, he said. I couldn't see if... Then he stopped abruptly. It is a way, isn't it, Mummy? he cried. Yes, she said. I think I hear 25 cents dropping into the apple. I will give you that much if you will shovel a path to the gate. Goody, cried Teddy. Then he hunted up the snow shovel and fell to work. Teddy, Teddy! Teddy looked up. The old lady across the way was standing in her door. I'll give you a quarter if you clean my walk. All right, Teddy shouted back. And then how the snow did fly as he dug and scraped and shoveled. My, my, said father's son. What an industrious boy. And he smiled till Teddy grew quite warm, and the busy hands in the red mittens were never once cold. When the day was over, four bright quarters lay snugly in the apple bank. The day before Christmas, Teddy emptied the bank and went shopping. And that night, when the washerwoman's boy came for the clothes, on top of the basket lay not mittens, but a pair of thick gloves lined with wool. Father's son was so happy about it that he smiled all Christmas Day. And so did Arthur. And so, more brightly than either, did Teddy. End of section 7. Recording by Leo Fialio, Los Angeles, California. Section 8 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Okialda. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Section 8 The Red Letter Day. What's a red letter day, Nora? asked Betty, coming into the kitchen where Nora was doing the Saturday baking. It's a day when something specially nice happens, answered Nora. Why? 
Mama just said it would be a red letter day if she got all her mending done by night. I wish, added Betty wistfully, that I could make it a red letter day for her. You can, cried Nora. I'll show you how to make a cake, and then she won't have to make it. She can have the time to mend. Goody, goody, cried Betty when her mama said she might try. I didn't tell her about the red letter part, she explained as she and Nora measured and beat and stirred. That will make it another kind of red letter day. S for surprise. The cake came out of the oven, light and flaky and beautiful. Wouldn't it be nice, sighed Betty, if it could only have a red S right in the middle. It can, said Nora. Make it of those tiny red candies of yours. You'll have to work fast before the icing dries. When the S was finished, it was pretty crooked, even for an S. But there was no doubt at all about what it was. When dinner was on the table, Betty brought in the cake and set it before her mother. Well, 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 cried Mrs. Arnold. What a fine little cook I have. But what is the S for, Betty? It stands for Saturday, Mama, said Betty. And then she told all about the red letter plan. It was a dear plan, said her mother. And I did finish the mending. And now I'll tell my little girl something else. S stands for Saturday, but it stands for another word, too. It stands for my sunshine, she finished, giving Betty a loving kiss. End of section eight. Section nine of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Section 9. Willie Won't. It was baking day at Willie Wright's house. Willie was on hand, as usual, to scrape the dish and teas for raisins. Suddenly, Jenny the cook threw up her hands. Oh, dear, she cried. I forgot to order baking powder. Willie, will you? Bang went the door and off ran Willie down the path with Laddie at his heels. I won't go to the store, he grumbled. Willie, called Jenny from the house. Won't, 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 Willie screamed. The next door pussy was sunning herself in the right's yard. Sick him, Laddie, cried Willie. Whoa, whoa, barked Laddie joyously. Sst, spit pussy, scurrying to the top of the pump. Willie! Willie dropped down beside the fence, out of Jenny's sight. She can go herself. Laddie cuddled down beside him. It was warm in the sun, and the locusts were droning drowsily in the grass. Oof, 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 snored Laddie. Willie nodded and nodded and nodded. Ho, ho, came a voice over the fence. Willie won't. That's a funny name. Funny, retorted another voice. It's ugly. Willie will would be far nicer. Nobody named Willie Will would ever set a dog on a cat, came a third voice. No, said a fourth, nor run off and hide when there are errands to do. And then the four began to sing. Willie wants a horrid boy. No one will like him till he helps when people want him to and turns to Willie Will. Willie jumped to his feet and looked around. 
The neighbor's sunflowers nodded solemnly over the fence. Willie, will, they seemed to urge. Willie started for the house. Willie, will, he echoed as he went up the path. End of section 9「Section 10 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Section 10. Molly and the Pouts. Until the pouts got to work on Molly, she was a very pretty little girl. But when she sat on the couch and sulked and sulked and sulked, because she could not go out to play with little sister, the pouts turned her into a very ugly little girl indeed. Ouch! You hurt! cried a little voice, just as a pout drew Molly's mouth down at the corners. Molly started. She had forgotten that she was holding dear doll Dainty by the arm, and she let go of her in her surprise. Well, cried dear doll Dainty, it's a wonder that fall didn't break my head. Why didn't you lay me nicely on the couch? My! What a sour face! With that, dear doll Dainty stepped up to her own special trunk, which stood open in the centre of the floor, and put on her hat and slipped into her coat. What are you going to do? asked Molly, staring. Going away, of course. I don't care to belong to a little girl with the pouts. Dear doll Dainty walked to the door. Wait a minute, dear doll Dainty, squeaked the rabbits that were capering around the top of the wall. We are coming too and with a great scurry, down slid the bunnies. We're tired of trying to make a cross little girl happy. So are we, added the roses on the curtain sweetly, as they let themselves down by their thorns and walked to the door on their stems. And we, the pillows Molly's impatient little fists had punched, dropped to the floor and started off. The trunk slammed down its lid and followed the pillows. The bureau followed the trunk. The book Molly had thrown on the floor followed the bureau. Pardon me, said a deep voice, but I am tired of being sat on and having heels dug into me. Up went the couch. Bump went Molly on the floor. The couch walked clumsily to the door. It couldn't get through. <laughs> giggled Molly. The pouts took to their heels. <laughs> Molly stopped laughing and looked around in amazement. Everything in the room was just as it ought to be, except that she and dear doll Dainty were both on the floor, but Molly thought the rabbits winked at her as she laid dear doll Dainty gently on the couch and put the book in its place on the table. End of section 10 Section 11 of the Goody Naughty Book This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey Section 11. Indian Huey Huey had always wanted to be an Indian. One day he told his mama about it. Well, she said, why not be an Indian? Huey looked down at his little blue suit and his low shoes. I can't be an Indian, he said. I haven't any bow and arrow or, or anything Indians have. And anyway, 
little boys can't be Indians. Oh, yes, they can, said his mama. Indians are strong and brave. Any little boy can be that. How do you do, Chief Huey? She added with a low bow. Huey drew himself up until he was at least an inch taller. Keep, keep strong and brave. Thank you, he said gravely. That very day, Huey's mama bought him a bow and arrow. Then Huey felt himself a real Indian indeed. But Chief Huey grew tired of shooting at a mark with his new bow and arrow. It would be much more fun, he thought, to shoot at something that moved. Just as he thought that, a bird flew up from the snowball bush. Chief Huey hastily slipped an arrow into his bow. Bing! It went toward the bird. Huey! Huey turned around. Chief Huey! He corrected politely. No, said his mama. Not Chief Huey. Squaw Huey. Chiefs are strong and brave. Chief Huey would never shoot at a dear little bird. Only a cowardly Indian, a squaw Indian, would do that. She came down the path and took away Huey's bow and arrow. Squaws don't carry weapons, she said. Huey threw himself down on his stomach and screamed with anger. Squaws cry, said his mama. She walked back to the house, leaving Huey sitting on the grass. He was wondering how long it would take for a squaw to become a chief once more. End of section 11. Recording by Carrie Adams, your book voice, at Mesa, Arizona. Section 12 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Davis Banks. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Section 12, I Forgot. Inside of little Jean, there lived a naughty imp. His name was I Forgot. One time, this imp made Jean do a very wicked thing. Jean owned a canary named Goldie because of his golden feathers. Whenever Jean came into the room where his cage hung, Goldie would pour out a flood of song. But one morning, when Jean came in, there was no flood of song from the yellow throat. The tiny singer lay still on the bottom of the cage. Jean slipped in her hand in alarm and drew out her little pet. Mama, mama, she cried. Something's the matter with Goldie. The imp, I forgot, laughed as he heard her. But Jean's mama did not laugh. She knew about I forgot, and she laid her hand tenderly on Goldie's little body, all thin under the fluff of feathers. Goldie has starved to death, Jean, she said sadly. Why didn't you feed him? I forgot, sobbed the little girl. Forgot? Poor Goldie. Jean's mama stroked the golden feathers. It's too bad, Jean, that you couldn't remember to do that one small thing for Goldie when he did so much for you with his songs and his cheer. Jean's tears fell fast. Her mama looked thoughtfully at the bird. We can do nothing more for Goldie, she said at last. 
but I have thought of a way you can help other birds for his sake, Jean. Jean wiped her eyes. How? she asked. Jean felt happier when her mama had explained the way to her. And if you should pass Jean's house some morning before breakfast, you could see the way for yourself. For every day, Jean scatters crumbs and grain on the lawn for the birds and puts fresh water in their drinking bowl. For Goldie's sake, she whispered to herself as the birds fly down for their breakfast. As for the naughty imp, I forgot. He is fast turning into the lovely fairy I remember. End of section 12. Section 13 of the Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Ribby. Section 13. How Sammy Was Cured. Sammy was a pretty good boy in some ways, but in one way he was a very naughty boy indeed. He never got up when he was called. Ah, <sighs> he would yawn. Mm-hmm. And with that, he would roll over and go fast asleep again. This always happened at least three times every morning. Often it happened more times. Then when everybody was out of patience and breakfast was nearly over, Sammy would come creeping down, digging his fists into his eyes and still yawning. <sighs> One morning, Sammy's father had just called him the second time, and Sammy had grunted <sighs> and turned over for another nap. When the door opened softly, creep, 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 came quiet steps. But Sammy didn't see the little man with twinkling eyes and queer clothes enter the room. He didn't know that the little man lifted him out of bed, slipped him quickly into a sack, and swung him over his shoulder. Sammy was too fast asleep to know anything. Crickety, flickety, flea, flow, fly, cried the little man, and away they flew, straight through the window. And still Sammy slept. He didn't know he was not in his own bed, till the little man slipped him out of the sack and gave him a shake. Yawn, muttered Sammy sleepily. So, you are Sammy Sleepyhead, a loud voice interrupted him. Sammy woke up so quickly that he bit his tongue. I know you. You're the little boy that never gets up when he's called. Sammy looked about him in surprise. He was in a room filled with the queerest little men he had ever seen, men with funny clothes and twinkly eyes, while right in front of him on a throne sat a very splendid person. Sammy knew by his robes and his crown that this splendid person must be a king. Sammy had never before seen a real king. He opened his mouth in awe. The king thought Sammy was going to yawn. No yawning here, he cried, giving Sammy a sharp little rap with his scepter. This is the land of the wide awakes. We always wake up the sleepy people. And then, just because he knew he mustn't, Sammy yawned. Yawn, he said so loud that it frightened him. And he clapped his hand quickly over his mouth. But the king had heard him. Sleepy cure number one, men, he cried. The men in the funny clothes at once formed in two lines, facing each other and twinkling more than ever. Sammy Sleepyhead, step forward between the lines, commanded the king sternly. Sammy saw each queer little man pull a small paddle from his pocket. His knees were shaking with fear, but he dared not disobey. Run, ordered the king. Sammy started. Spat went the first paddle. Ouch, screamed Sammy. Faster, cried the king. 
spat 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 went the paddles as he ran ouch 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 screamed sammy done cried the king as sammy breathless and crying reached the end of the lines awake cured inquired the king uh-huh uh-huh he coughed sammy wiping his eyes with the sleeves of his nighty no you're not cried the king only sleepy head say mhm cure number 2 poor sammy stood scared and crying while the little men grinning broadly now brought big sponges dripping with water squeeze cried the king squash went the first sponge right over sammy's head ugh screamed sammy as the ice cold water poured down his back ugh ugh the next little man stepped up lifted his sponge started to squeeze it then changed his mind crickety flickety flee flow fly he cried instead the next thing sammy knew he was standing in his own bathtub wet and shivering his father stood beside him holding a big dipper ugh ugh gasped sammy while the water dripped from his yellow head i'm sorry sammy said his father handing him a towel but we can't have any more of this nonsense about getting up this will happen every time you have to be called more than once dry yourself now and hurry into your clothes sammy gulped and nodded he couldn't think of anything to say just then but he did as his father told him to and never once dug his fists into his eyes or said yawn the next day he joined the wide awakes sammy sleepyhead was cured end of section 13「Section 14 of the Goody Naughty Book」This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leo Fialio, Los Angeles, California. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Cory Rippey Section 14 The Going To Club The Going To Club had only one member. Bobby Brandt was that member. In fact, Bobby was the club. It was his mother who named him the Going To Club. It always took at least two askings to get Bobby to do anything. Sometimes it took three or four. Bobby was always going to. This club always met when there was something Bobby wanted particularly to do, and it met most often in the spring when the boys were out flying their kites. In the spring, nobody could get Bobby to do anything. One spring, Bobby had a very fine new kite that he and his father had made together. They named it the Skylark because they thought it would fly higher than any of the other kites. But something was wrong. Instead of sailing up gracefully as it should, the first time Bobby tried to fly it, the Skylark pitched about so violently that Bobby had to wind it in. Just then he heard Mary Jane calling, "Bobby, will you get me some water?" "All right," cried Bobby. I wonder what ails it," he added as he turned the kite about. "Bobby, I'm going to," answered the going to club impatiently and straightway forgot all about it. Pretty soon Mary Jane came down the path with the water pail. Mary Jane had little brothers. Perhaps she could tell what was the matter. "Mary Jane," said Bobby, "my kite won't fly straight. Will you help me fix it?" A naughty twinkle came into Mary Jane's eyes. "All right, Bobby," she said. and went on to the well will you urged bobby as she came back with her pail full i'm going to bobby bobby followed mary jane to the house 
Mary Jane? Mary Jane set down the pail and went on with her washing. I'm going to, she promised. Rub-a-dub, rub-a-dub, rub-a-dub went the clothes. Mary Jane! And this time Mary Jane dried her hands and picked up the kite. Tail's too long, she said. And by the way, Bobby, she added with a laugh, what do you think about the going-to club now? Bobby grinned and hung his head. End of section 14. Recording by Leo Fialio, Los Angeles, California. Section 15 of The Goody Naughty Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey Section 15 When Perapsy Said Yes Perapsy Perrin was never quite certain about things. She always said, perhaps, instead of yes or no. That's how she came to be called Perapsy. But there was one thing Perapsy was certain about. She loved to go barefoot. And just as soon as the first warm spring day came, Perapsy teased to take off her shoes and stockings. But Mrs. Perrin only laughed. You'll catch cold, Perapsy, and you know what you have to take when you get sick. Perapsy thought of the big white bottle on the bathroom shelf and stopped teasing. But she didn't forget. That afternoon, Mrs. Perrin went out to make some calls. Be a good girl, Perapsy, she said as she left the house. Yes'm, promised Perapsy. But she must have added perhaps inside, for she ran straight to the backyard and called to the two little girls next door. Yoo-hoo, she cried. Come on over and go waiting. A pool of water had been left in the hollow of the yard by the heavy spring rains. Dare you, it seemed to twinkle up at Perapsy. Oh, I dasn't, cried the biggest little girl, carefully smoothing down her stiff, clean dress. Oh, I dasn't, echoed the littlest girl. Perapsy eyed them scornfully as she took off her shoes and stockings and splashed into the pool. Frayed cats, she jeered. Frayed cats, frayed cats, frayed cats. The little girls watched Perapsy in scared silence. You'll take cold, finally ventured the biggest little girl. Perhaps I will, retorted Perapsy. You're getting wet, said the littlest girl. Perapsy only sniffed. But it wasn't so very much fun after all. Perhaps he kept hearing, Be a good girl, Perhapsy. Yes'm. When she had proved that she at least was not a frayed cat, Perhaps he splashed out. You needn't tell, she cried over her shoulder as her bare feet twinkled back into the house. That night, Mrs. Perrin heard strange sounds in Perhapsy's room. Kerchoo! 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 She went to the door. Perhaps he was sitting up in bed. I'm not sick, Baba, she explained. I'm just 
Kerchoo. Mrs. Perrin left the room. When she returned, she carried a big white bottle and a spoon. Do, 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 screamed Perhapsy as her mother poured out the thick, slippery oil. I'm dot. What she was dot was lost in a gurgle and a splutter as the oil slid down her throat. Perhapsy was not happy. She drew the blankets up around her and buried her head among the pillows. Perhapsy, said her mother when the dose was done, you've disobeyed me. Are you sorry? P-p-per- Yes, sobbed Perhapsy under the bedclothes. End of section 15 Recording by Ellen Adams Section 16 of The Goody Naughty Book This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Okialda. The Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey. Section 16. What Happened to Waggles? Waggles was Jimmy's chum. He was never cross, and he loved Jimmy. And Jimmy loved Waggles. But sometimes Jimmy was cross. It was when he was cross that he tied the can to Waggles's tail. Waggles thought it was a new game, but at his first jump, the can bounced up and struck him. This frightened Waggles, and he tried to run away from the horrid, bouncing thing. But the faster he ran, the harder the thing bounced, and the oftener it struck him. Waggles became wild with fright, and he gasped for breath as he raced along. Suddenly, he heard a voice that he loved. Waggles! 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 Waggles stopped running and dropped, exhausted, at the feet of Jimmy's father. Poor Waggles, said Mr. Brown tenderly as he cut the string. I didn't suppose there was a boy in this town mean enough to do a thing like that. Waggles licked his hand and looked up at him gratefully. But Waggles was too much of a gentleman to tell on Jimmy, even if he could have spoken. When Mr. Brown went home, Waggles trotted along beside him. Jimmy, asked Mr. Brown that evening, who tied that can to Waggles's tail? Jimmy said nothing, but his face grew red. Very well, said his father. A boy who could treat a dog like that doesn't deserve to have one. I shall give Waggles away. Jimmy was very unhappy. He cried himself to sleep that night. But next morning, who should come bounding in but Waggles? He jumped and barked and said, I forgive you in every doggy way that he knew. Jimmy hugged Waggles and looked wistfully at his father. Well, Jimmy, said Mr. Brown, since Waggles has forgiven you, I think I shall have to forgive you too. Waggles may stay. End of section 16. End of the Goody Naughty Book by Sarah Corey Rippey.